What's going on, everyone? You are listening to the Modern Markets Podcast, brought to you by FOMOHUD, where we discuss topics ranging from world banking to decentralized platforms. So sit back and enjoy, because you're going to learn today. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Modern Markets Podcast, presented by FOMOHUNT, brought to you by Cal Toro and your host, Titan Inc. And now the summary for today's episode. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the Bitcoin halving. What is Bitcoin? Why is it better than gold? How is this Bitcoin halving going to affect mining operations? And much more. Let's go ahead and dive right into the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Markets Podcast. And today, this is a very special episode because this is the Bitcoin halving edition. It is quite late here. I don't usually want to stay up this late to do a podcast episode. However, uh, we got to bring you guys the sauce. We got to bring you guys the information on the Bitcoin halving. And that is exactly what I am going to do today. So also, by the way, it's called Bitcoin having, Bitcoin having. Uh, you can call it whatever you want. Essentially, the breakdown of what the Bitcoin having is, is essentially, and by the way, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm losing a little bit of my voice. I've been doing streams this whole week and podcast episodes. So bear with me. I, I'm trying not to... Uh, you know, be too scratchy with my my talking. So the Bitcoin having essentially breaks down to uh, every 210,000 blocks that are created on the Bitcoin blockchain. There is a an algorithm that's it's built into the uh, the open source code of Bitcoin where the incoming supply or the incoming block reward will essentially be cut in half in one block. So right now, and I'll explain this a little bit more in depth. So right now we're looking at uh, about two days and 22 hours based on the average block generation time of 10 minutes. So um, what this means is that, uh, you know, based on the, the difficulty of, of how hard it is to mine Bitcoin, you know, obviously, you know, you're competing with other miners, uh, you know, to compete for the block reward of Bitcoin mining. Based on this time, we're looking at two days and 22 hours left until this block appears, which would be a 210,000 block uh, from the last Bitcoin halving, which is in uh, 2016. You know, why is this important? And, and first of all, what is a block reward? Well, a block reward is essentially when miners are competing to win the block, so to speak, they are trying to win the block reward. Now, when Bitcoin was first created, uh, and it first launched on January 3rd, 2009, which was the Genesis block, you could receive 50 Bitcoin per block reward for every block that you mine. So if you were an early miner and you were just playing around with Bitcoin, you could literally earn 50 Bitcoin every block just playing around with Bitcoin. So if you were just like an IT guy and you saw, ah, you know, this cool Bitcoin thing and you just wanted to play around with the tech and just see what was, you know, see what was going on and you just started, you know, mining Bitcoin with no competition, you know, there's nobody else competing against you in the early days of Bitcoin. That that wasn't a, a problem because nobody had known anything about Bitcoin at that time. So you could literally earn 50 Bitcoin, no problem. And then after a couple of years passed by, after 210,000 blocks passed by in 2012, cannot remember exa- the exact month. But in 2012, the 210,000 block was mined from the beginning of Bitcoin's creation. And that cut the Bitcoin block reward supply from 50 to 25. So it cuts it in half. And then, of course, in 2016, we also got this cut in half again. So we we went 210,000 blocks from 2012 to 2016, which 
it, by the way, obviously takes about four years for every uh, for 210,000 blocks to be created. So it's 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 an average block time about 10 minutes, which gives you that kind of uh, that four year uh, time period. So in 2016, we cut the block reward from 25 to 12.25. So uh, sorry, 12.5. So now what is about to happen is we are about to drop to 6.25 uh, Bitcoins per block. This is pretty major. I've talked about it multiple times uh, on many uh, different podcast episodes, many different live streams. You know, what is the major importance of this Bitcoin having in particular? Well, you know, obviously you have the the supply, the incoming supply decreasing. This is a deflationary uh, strategy that was implemented by Satoshi Nakamoto, he, she, or whatever organization that created Bitcoin. And it's actually a really uh, quite genius strategy, if you'd ask me. You know, the, the strategy is essentially, it's, it's deflationary. It's, a, it's it's the way money should work, to be honest. Of course, this also doesn't change the fact that the total max supply of Bitcoin is 21 million. That's never going to change. So as time goes on, obviously, we have a cut in supply or incoming supply every four years around there, um, or 210,000 blocks. So the next Bitcoin halving, which should be in around 2024, would obviously cut the Bitcoin uh, incoming supply from 6.25 to around 3 point twelve five some somewhere in that around that range there's going to be less and less bitcoin uh for people to get their hands on which obviously is a very big deal because there's only so much bitcoin to go around uh somebody told me there's about 55 million millionaires i think 55 million millionaires uh across the world 55 million millionaires would not be able to get their hands on even one Bitcoin because there's only 21 million Bitcoins. This is a very, very scarce asset, folks. It is a very, very big deal. And you know what? Paul Tudor Jones agrees. It's a very big deal. Paul Tudor Jones on, uh, I believe it was uh, May 7th, came out, uh, there, was an, there was an announcement that came out and said that Paul Tudor Jones uh, likened Bitcoin or resembled Bitcoin to the gold uh, rush, uh, gold rush, you know, so to speak, with the price in the 1970s. And his his bet, this is his quote, my bet is it will be Bitcoin uh, if he's forced to forecast uh, the fastest horse, basically. That fastest horse is going to be Bitcoin. Uh, gold is just, you know, let's, let's talk about gold for a second. You know, let's, let's compare gold to, to Bitcoin. And, and by the way, you can hold gold all you want. You can hold gold, silver, you can hold Bitcoin, you can do whatever the hell you want. This is not financial advice. I don't care what you do, but I will explain to you the reasons that holding gold over Bitcoin may not be the best decision. First of all, uh, if you need to flee the country for whatever reason, you know, for whatever tyrannical government reason that may, may arise, which does arise very often, especially in Venezuela and Argentina, we've seen that, then you are not going to be able to get away with your gold or your silver. It ain't going to happen, uh, you know, especially in America. TSA is going to stop your ass at the <laughs> at the uh, nearest TSA checkpoint and say, hey, what's all this gold doing here? Hmm, we think this is related to the cartels. Sorry, buddy, we're going to have to take your gold now, and we'll just figure it out. You know, there's no way to, like, check to see if it's really your gold or not. So we, we're going to assume that this is the cartel's gold and, and silver. And you know what? I might even take it home from the checkpoint. Ex extracted items, confiscated items that the TSA has a, a very uh, wide selection to choose from. 
And uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is how accessible is gold? Well, we saw during the coronavirus you know, outbreak where people were trying to get gold uh, in New York and they could not. They could not get uh, gold. There was a shortage. They could not get gold delivered to uh, New York. There was a problem with supply chain. So you know, when I, when I want an asset to be readily available to me in a time where I'm not sure what's going to happen um, you know, in, in the financial industry, or just in in the world in general, I want to be able to first of all own uh, whatever that asset is. Which you know you can't do that with paper trading of gold. Um, you can't do that with the ETFs with gold. So there's a problem there. Um, but with Bitcoin, I can literally say, "Hey, buddy, uh, on Zoom, my friend on Zoom, could you sell me some Bitcoin? I'll PayPal you like right now. You know, some it's like you know five thousand dollars." Um, and I'll just scan your wallet or, or you can scan my wallet and send me Bitcoin. And that's as easy as it gets. Now, if I said, hey, I, I need some gold, buddy. Uh, could you send me uh, some gold? I'll send you $5,000 on PayPal. Okay, sounds good. I'll, I'll wait on FedEx to deliver it. If FedEx even delivers gold, I have no idea. What's the what's the weight ratio on that? Yeah, so you, you get my, my, my point in this. But I will also, obviously silver is the same thing. Silver is a metal, you know, gold is a metal. Um, I, don't, I don't even have to get into the 1930s confiscation of uh, gold, um, Executive Order 6102. That's a good one. Look at that one up. It's a, it's a fun one to look up. Very nice history. But let's just talk more about Bitcoin. Um, I want this to be like an, an episode that, that pretty much uh, gives the basics on what Bitcoin is for anybody who doesn't understand so first of all, I want to let you know that Bitcoin is not just a currency. It's not just a store of value. It's much more than that. Bitcoin is an open source technology that you can literally use, integrate, build on top of, use as the foundation for your company, for your own project, whatever. But it also serves as a currency and it also serves as a store of value. Bitcoin is so, so amazing it's really hard to just put it all into one statement. And it's really hard for a lot of people to understand because they may not understand the, the open source tech part about Bitcoin. So uh, so Bitcoin is essentially, uh, it's essentially created by uh, computers running specific hardware. Um, these, uh, this, this hardware is called miners. Now they use specific created mining hardware that allows them to solve a hash. Now this hash is what's important to be able to, and it's, it's, you're solving the block, by the way. So as I was speaking about earlier with the block award, you are solving the hash, uh, and that solving that hash, it's a very, it's a, I think it's a, it's a long hash. I can't tell you exactly how many uh, characters it is, but the hash is essentially uh, what connects the previous block to the next block that's going to be created. So whoever creates uh, or, or solves this hash essentially wins the block or wins a part of the block uh, because, again, you're competing with, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of miners across the world, you know, to, com to compete and win these blocks. So it's absolutely incredible, you know, the amount of, of computing power that's being put behind Bitcoin, first of all, but, but that's not even half the story. So they have to solve this hash to essentially say, okay, this block is now connected to this next block because you don't want any kind of, of hack. You know, and we'll talk about little you know hacks as well. You don't want any type of 
you know, foreign entity to be able to come in to the Bitcoin consensus uh, network and say, okay, this block is now going to be the official block that connects to the previous block. The problem with that is if you don't have consensus, and this is where the Bitcoin miners, you know, solving this hash comes in, if you don't have this consensus of what the next block is going to look like connecting to the previous block, you could essentially say, okay, this block is going to be worth 10 million Bitcoin um, in a transaction. It's going to be sent to my wallet, but it never happened. That's not real. It's, it's not a real transaction if you fake that block, right? Well, that's what the consensus is for. That's why the miners are essentially putting all this computing power towards solving the block because they're all competing to create a consensus of what the blockchain looks like. And this is very important because this is, this is what adds to the immutability of the blockchain of the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, obviously, there there are other blockchains that are um, have obviously copied this Bitcoin open source technology. Uh, but Bitcoin is obviously the most powerful because there are so many people competing uh, to win the same blocks. They're they're trying to win Bitcoin because it's so valuable because it's so sought after. So they're all doing this, and and by them all competing to win these Bitcoin blocks, they're all competing to make sure that the Bitcoin blockchain is so freaking secure that there's absolutely no way that it could be hacked. Uh, the, only, the only hack that you could really do with, a, with the Bitcoin blockchain is what's called a 51% attack, by the way. And a 51% attack is not even possible anymore. It's not mathematically possible. And, and basically what this is, is where 51% of the mining hash power could be dedicated to essentially uh, rewriting blocks or creating a false block. And again, this is not possible anymore, but it happens on other blockchains that are not as powerful as Bitcoin. But because you have all these miners that are essentially dedicating all their computing power to making sure that the Bitcoin blockchain is immutable, it is correct, and it is not 51% attacking attackable. Attackable is a new word. I just I just made that word up. <laughs> you, it's not possible. Um, this also, I, I would get into quantum resistance in this episode, but I, I won't just because it's a little bit more advanced. But this is also the reason why Bitcoin cannot be hacked. It's not possible anymore. The code is open source. Anybody can view the source code. You can literally go find it. I think on GitHub, there are, are a lot of developers that contribute to the source code. Changes are very, very slow because, I mean, we're talking about Bitcoin here. You know, you really don't want to screw up the open source code for Bitcoin. So it's very, it's it's watched very closely. And the, the updates that do get pushed out that the miners have to accept on their updates are very minimal. And I actually like it this way better, to be honest, because I like the original source code. So I, I, I do like that the developers take a little bit longer to uh, update the source code. Only 21 million Bitcoins will ever exist. We spoke about that uh, earlier. You know, 18.364 million have been created. Now, also keep in mind that there have been a lot of Bitcoins that have been lost as well. So uh, if you lost 10,000 Bitcoin on an old laptop that you threw away on accident because you didn't think Bitcoin was going to be uh, was going to be worth anything, a 10,000 Bitcoin is gone, and there's no way to get that back unless you could find that laptop. And this is this has happened on more than one occasion. Um, there's there's lots of Bitcoin out there that's been lost, and and you know I would feel really bad. I mean, uh, there's also the guy that bought a pizza with 10,000 Bitcoin. That's that's a shame. This is going to continue to happen. Bitcoin is going to continue to get more scarce. It's uh, it's going to happen. It's only a matter of when, not if. By the way, Bitcoin has no CEO or president. There's nobody running Bitcoin. There's nobody. There's no one person running the open source code. 
uh, of Bitcoin. Um, it is decentralized. Uh, there's no CMO for Bitcoin marketing Bitcoin. The people essentially market Bitcoin on their own. So that is, uh, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's fascinating to see uh, a grassroots movement like Bitcoin uh, become what it is today. And it's, it's really um, reflective of what the internet has allowed for. You know, we, we do see a lot of censorship and we do see a lot of control and an authoritarianism across the world, but we also see grassroots movements and, and decentralized solutions of people who are tired of putting up with the crap and of people who know, you know, the, the truth behind a lot of the things that, that are happening and, and they're, um, they're fighting back and they're using the internet to do so and they're using Bitcoin to do so and, and you know, decentralized solutions as well. The power is essentially back in the hands of the people, especially the marketing power of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is impossible to counterfeit. So this is very important. So you can't go to your printer and say, ah, I'm going to print off some dollars. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit harder to print off uh, to, to, to counterfeit dollars, but it is possible to counterfeit dollars. Uh, the Federal Reserve does it all the time. <laughs> uh, that's a fun one. But Bitcoin cannot be counterfeited. When you have a piece of a Bitcoin or, or own any Satoshis or own a Bitcoin, that Bitcoin is 100% legit unless you're buying Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin SV. It's a whole different topic, but we will talk about that in a future episode. It relies on blockchain technology. Of course, this is the most secure database in the world. There is no nothing close that comes to the computing power of Bitcoin. And that is a major accomplishment of, again, you know, the, the, the power being put back in the hands of the people, essentially saying, look, we want the value from this this store of value, this this currency. So we're gonna use our computing power and our money and our electricity to mine this uh, asset. And so I, I wanna talk about some Bitcoin quotes from some friends of ours. Equities Tracker, Andrew Vong, he is Chief Future Officer at Equities Tracker. Great, great friends of ours, by the way. Um, if you guys are not familiar with Equities Tracker, go ahead and check them out on Facebook. They have a great following on Facebook. Great guys in Malaysia. And uh, Andrew Vong, very smart guy, very smart guy. I, mean, I absolutely love having conversations with him. And he provided some good data on what the Bitcoin halving event really means. And he says, essentially, it's a reduction of Bitcoin inflation rate by uh, half to 1.8%. So right now that, that inflation rate, by the way, is, is around 3.8 to 3.9%. That's obviously the, the incoming supply rate, although it's really called the deflation rate since the uh, Bitcoin supply is obviously deflating over time. The incoming supply is at least. And so yes, the Bitcoin monetary supply is still inflationary, but it is gradually being slowed down every four years until it reaches its theoretical hard limit of 21 million. The CAGR of M2 in the U.S. stands at roughly 6.5% from 1974 to 2020. That's 46 years. Uh, for society and the economy to function, it isn't the case of choosing between the two, but rather having Bitcoin be the yin to the USD's yang. So great quote from Andrew. Much love, brother. Um, if you're listening to this, I hope you enjoy it. Really great quote. And then I want to read off another one from my homie Alex Libertas from The Daily Chain. And he says, There is no doubt that COVID has had a major impact across all markets globally. However, since Black Thursday, we have seen a 105% increase in Bitcoin as we make our way up to the 2020 halving. Although we have seen quite rapid increases in prices at previous halvings, I personally believe that the 2020 halving itself 
will be a non-event for the few, first few months. We may actually see a decrease in price as the broader economy struggles to return to normal with over 20 million Americans unemployed since ADP began in 2002. It's difficult to see an immediate price explosion for an asset that is still often known as extremely volatile and unpredictable. And yeah, so I want to go ahead and talk about what he just said there. You know, I, I do believe that. Uh, so here's what happens with the Bitcoin halving. I spoke about this in the last episode as well. So what happens in the Bitcoin halving is essentially the incoming supply of Bitcoin, the block reward gets cut in half. So if you're a miner and you're relying on six, uh, sorry, uh, uh, 12.25 uh, Bitcoins per block being generated, you can count on that amount of Bitcoin being there for you to sell to keep your operations afloat because how else do you keep your operation afloat you have to sell off Bitcoin to be able to continue to mine because you're spending a lot of money on electricity so of course running the operation in general there, there's a lot of uh, costs involved however when you literally have your cost cut in half in a second and literally in 10 minutes in a, in a block that is going to cause a lot of these mining operations to to shut their machines off at least for some time if the Bitcoin price is not already double what it needs to be for them to be able to sell a little bit of Bitcoin to be able to keep their operations afloat. So what I'm basically saying is if the Bitcoin price is not like mm, 16 to $20,000, maybe 15,000, eh, somewhere in that range, then essentially these Bitcoin mining operations would have to cut off their operations because they cannot survive based on 6.25 Bitcoin block reward. So that price would have to start going up. Now, at the same time, there are going to be Bitcoin miners and mining operations that say, okay, we've got reserves, guys. We've got reserves set up. I don't give a crap. You know, what, what happens with the Bitcoin having? We're not turning off our mining operations. And we're not turning them off because we know that if, if other people do, if other mining operations do, we have a better chance of winning that block. So the difficulty adjustment decreases because you have less miners competing to win the block. So essentially they have a much easier opportunity at winning the block than they did before the halving. So right now there's an all out war to compete to win the block right now because they're all trying to get as much Bitcoin as possible that that's 12.5 Bitcoin before that 12.5 Bitcoin per block reward gets turned to 6.25. So it's a very big deal. I actually think that uh, it's very possible that, you know, a lot of these Bitcoin mining operations maybe test the waters and see, you know, see if uh, if it's possible to stay afloat and uh, see if anybody else shuts off their mining operations and then maybe, you know, see what happens, turn it off uh, if, if things don't go the way. But either way, the, the, the thing you have now is a, an instant demand shock, instant demand shock, because you no longer have 12.5 Bitcoin coming in, you have 6.25. And it's not like I do want to highlight what, what Alex said about the, the unemployment rate. You know, Alex pointed out that, that over 20 million Americans uh, are now unemployed since the ADP began in 2002. This is a big deal. This is obviously because of the lockdowns um, from COVID. So it, it's very possible that a lot of these people could start selling off their Bitcoin. We don't know. We don't really know how many of these people who are unemployed own Bitcoin. That's another question. But we do know that the, the economy is going to take a hit. And this could obviously be a factor for the, the Bitcoin price uh, dropping and, and people selling. Although I also want to point out that uh, there was an interesting metric that I saw from Sentiment where the supply of Bitcoin uh, on exchanges was actually flat and actually it had uh, pretty much dumped off since Black Thursday, which if you're not familiar with Black Thursday, it was pretty much a day where Bitcoin dropped like 50% in one day. It was bad. But 
It's great now because it's over like 150% or 100%, uh, something of that nature. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Again, shout out to my boy, Alex Libertas. Thank you for that quote for this article. And by the way, if you guys want to see the article I'm talking about, this is our Bitcoin having special that we put out on the Modern Markets uh, Substack. So if you want to go ahead and check that out, it's modernmarkets.substack.com. Definitely check it out. Go ahead and subscribe while you're at it. It's great content. Cal Toro puts this out for us every single week, and he's an absolute beast. The dude just works his butt off to get you guys the, the best data. So if you're not tuning in to, to the newsletter every single week, you're missing out. And it's all free. So the newsletter is free. Uh, we haven't decided to do a paid option yet. And that's solely because we wanted to give you guys all that free content. So go ahead and check that out. Let's go ahead and uh, let's, let's talk about the previous Bitcoin halving. What happened uh, in the past? In the past, Bitcoin actually uh, took some time after the Bitcoin having to break the previous all-time high, which at that time was, and I'll go ahead and pull up the charts just to make sure I am getting some accurate information. So in the, let's see, 2016 was the last Bitcoin having The last all-time high of November 13 was around $950 to $1,000. So $1,000 was pretty much the, the threshold that was not able to be broken until 189 days later after the Bitcoin having happened, which was in, I think it was in June, I wanna say, could be wrong about that, somewhere around there, but it was 189 days until they until the um, Bitcoin price finally pushed past the $1,000 level. And that's when the, of course, the 2017 strike up to 20,000 happened. And then of course we got to this point. So we may see some time pass before we actually get a, uh, you know, a, a proper all time high break of 20,000, but you can almost, and I won't give any price predictions. Uh, I gave some on, on another stream, but uh, you can almost bet that, you know, the time frame could be much, much lower especially when you have institutions, uh, you know, putting massive interest into Bitcoin, basically putting all their money and putting their bet on Bitcoin to be the fastest horse to uh, to win the race. I think it's definitely going to be a shorter time frame, especially because 2016, many people didn't even know what Bitcoin was. It Bitcoin has a lot of mainstream attention these days. So it's a very different story as opposed to what happened in 2016. And then, you know, a lot of people, we actually got some data from Lunar Crush. This is really cool. A lot of people have started to, um, you know, thousands, thousands of posts are coming out about the Bitcoin having over the last 30 days. So we're, we're definitely seeing a lot more intrigue and it could be a non-event. We will see what happens. But guys, that is, you know, pretty much a, a sweet wrap up of, of what the Bitcoin having is and what Bitcoin is. And I really hope that this kind of explained a lot of this for you. I hope this uh, was a sweet video for you guys to, to listen to. I'm gonna go ahead and put this up on the, the Modern Markets YouTube. If you guys like stuff like this, if you like the, the kind of format I'm doing right now, I can do this in between podcast episodes that I have with, um, yeah, actually I got a couple coming out. I got one coming out with the CEO of Dragon Chain. That's gonna be sweet. That's gonna be awesome. Uh, then I got the Lunar Crush guys, John and Joe coming on as well. So there's a lot of really good content coming out, guys. It's it's really, really awesome to be in the crypto industry right now and um, and just, you know, really enjoy uh, what we're what we're seeing right now with Bitcoin. I mean, right now we're looking at almost $10,000 for Bitcoin. Uh, it's a really exciting time to uh, to just really just in, enjoy technology and finance right now. It's a it's a revolutionary time to be in this industry. So hope you guys enjoyed again. If you uh, if you want to check out the newsletter again, modernmarkets.substack.com, check out the podcast at anchor.fm slash modern markets 
And if you guys want to see more episodes like this, make sure to leave it in the comment section of the YouTube video or just hit me up on Twitter at Titan Inc. I would be happy to respond to you. So thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I'll see you in the next one. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Modern Markets Podcast with your host, Titan. Don't forget to reach out to us. Some of the best ideas we get are from our listeners. And sign up for our free newsletter that comes out every Wednesday. We tackle some of the hardest hitting stories in banking, fintech, and decentralized payment systems.